This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm delighted to be joined by the normal Thursday panel of JP Mason and Declan McConville, welcome back JP and Declan, are you fully recovered from your illness? Yep, back to normal So Back to your best, back to your best Big question, can Lee Griffiths get back to his best? (laughs) Will he be a rip-roaring, free-scoring centre-forward for Ange Postacoglu? You're almost scared to put a tweet out when it comes to Lee Griffiths these days. Um, The world goes into meltdown, but it flashed up before we came on. Breaking news, Lee Griffiths handed a one-year extension. JP, I'm going to come to you first. I'm going to actually ask you the question. The number over your shoulder, is it as relevant to this deal as anything else? We've got 19 days to get a team on the park. I think so, yeah. I I think so. I think Colin... When you asked Colin about it the other day, uh, when obviously we didn't know what was happening with regards to the deal and he said 
reluctantly would say, yeah, you know, give him a deal. But it is purely because of numbers and, I guess, experience. But, you know, he's not good enough to, or he's not fit enough or good enough to play for Scotland in the, in the international tournament. But he's good enough to play for us in an absolutely massive Champions League qualifier. Um, so, yeah, I think it is, it, is, it is down to that. You asked me or somebody asked me on Twitter and I said, you know, that I didn't think that it was a great idea to give him a contract based on the fact that he hasn't done the business for us and we needed him last season. And we're, it feels like we're, our hand's been forced here a little bit. And, you know, that's maybe music to his ears because he's maybe chomping at the bit to prove people wrong. But if we're not sitting here in a year's time and he's played... 30 to 40 games for, for Celtic in the season and scored you know a decent amount of goals then his Celtic career is an absolute failure so there's the gauntlet it's laid down let's see what he can do there is a gauntlet there definitely is a gauntlet JP um, I mean any other, I think under any other circumstance, if we were sitting in this pre-season Declan and I'll throw this one out to yourself and Last season wasn't as disastrous as it had been, but Lee Griffiths had played as little part in it as he did. He wouldn't be getting this contract, you know, because no. it, we'd be ripping it up and starting again. But we're at a, in a situation at the moment where, I'm not, and I'm not saying this is panicking, I've called it sticky plasters. I think Ralston was the exact same. You know, Postacoglu is looking at a squad here where we've got one recognised right back who's never played for the club in Lee O'Connor. Coming back from Tranmere, kind of untested at our level. Um, you know, he's an international player already, got a cap for Republic of Ireland. So you go with a guy who made his debut five years ago, even though he's not played that many games for Celtic with Anthony Ralston. Nobody thinks for a moment he's going to be your first pick. And I think that when you look up front, Yes, Edward came back for training at Lennox Town, but we know that his future lies elsewhere, Declan. It's probably not at Leicester now, after they've gone out and spent £23 million on a striker. But you're looking at who you've got. Well, Bio's not going to be playing a part. If he comes back, it'll just be um, for a few weeks until another loan deal or a permanent deal is sorted out for him. A Yeti, who knows what's going to happen with Yeti. So I think it makes sense. Now, I put out a tweet a couple of weeks back where I called him a goal-scoring machine, Declan. Uh, I don't think anybody ever gets tongue-in-cheek tweets these days. I, I don't know if it's just the times that we're living in. Sign of the times. Um, but I think the, the big problem here is when you're describing a player, and before you say, yeah, make your point, you say on his day, you could just stop there because you know that, you know, as a prerequisite, if, you, if you've got to use that, then there's a but, um, and there's a massive but with, with Lee Griffiths. Where are you standing? Are you at the point now where you just think, listen, the decision's been made. It, it, you know, what else are we going to do within the next 19 days when it's quite clear that although the forward is an issue, the backline's a much bigger issue? Yeah, well, obviously I had the opinion when we chatted about this before and I didn't think it was a good idea to give him a contract. But, you know, we're less than three weeks away from that Magellan game. It would appear that the Ralston deal and this deal has caused saving exercises due to a lack of um, positions in the squad. And he's just looked around himself. I think, um, you know, had we had other players coming in, this would have been snuck in between that. It's the 1st of July. It's Dominic Mackay's first day in charge. Uh, as CEO of Celtic and it's been out as basically the first breaking story um, after the season ticket sales uh, thanks this morning so there's a lot to see in this you know whether or not Lee buys into Ange Postacoglu 
he could be the first person to be used as an example for Ange Postacoglu, as GP says, if he's not played that amount of games and not bought into it, um, and feel the wrath of him first. But, you know, after Friday's press conference, I want to back the manager. I liked what he was saying. So I hope it's been Ange Postacoglu's decision. And if it has been, it's just a case I move on and let him prove himself to us now. I still think he let us down last season. Mm-hmm. I won't change my opinion on that. But he's got a big chance to prove himself now. He's going to be a Celtic player for the next year. And it's just a case I move on and see what happens. You know, stats are brilliant. And uh, I've been reminded time and time again, JP, that you can use stat to suit any kind of narrative. I don't 100% agree with that. I know that you can you can use it uh, to weigh, you know, for your argument, for sure. Uh, and the, the stat, and this doesn't take into account the incredible analytics that that are out there these days on on footballers and performance, etc. But let's just have a look at the kind of base statistics for a goal a, a goal scorer or, or a striker, and you're looking at uh, minutes on the park against goals scored or what we now have um, goals assisted, and the stat was every 95 minutes Lee Griffiths is involved in a goal, and that goes throughout his entire career. So for a footballer who's 30 years of age to be involved in a goal, basically won a game. Uh, because 95 minutes, you know, injury time, etc. So you're, you're going to get a goal out of this guy. The point was made that many of those goals, and when he was at his most prolific, was earlier in his career. And if you look at his, the last five years, for example, if we use that as a rule, he's, for a whole host of reasons, not been that goal scorer, JP. Now, you've mentioned kind of games played next season, and you would be looking for upwards of... 35, 40 games from him. Uh, I mean, when you look at near Beaton last season, who I think was a bit part player, 21 games. So you've, you've got to play like double that, there or thereabouts. What about goals return, JP, for you? What, what do you think would be a successful season for Lee Griffiths this season? I think you just want to uh, evaluate his contribution after each game, you know, and see what he's, what he's actually brought to the table with it. If he's assisting and he's he's working hard and he's training hard, then I don't think anybody will have a problem with that. I think everybody's got a problem with the fact that he admitted himself, this isn't for conjecture, he admitted himself that he he let the club down by the way that he came back for pre-season. And that that's not open for debate. He's admitted that himself. So it's not as if we're you know there's 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 you know uh, whispers behind people's backs or anything like that. You know that is fact. He's admitted that. So we're all let down by the fact that a guy has come back from a three month lockdown and not been in the same condition as his as his contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's something that he's he's so he's. I mean, I know before that. I mean, I was I was at the games all leading up to the point where we we finished last March, and he was flying. You know, like we were been. Unbelievable, not on. Un- well, no, actually, at times unbelievable football. Him and Eddie up front, that can't be forgotten. But then last season, for whatever reason, starts badly, never really recovers, and um, yeah, it's, it's. I think everybody wants to. Look, everybody's going to support him when he's in a Celtic shirt. You're not going to have people booing him and things like that. At least, I sincerely hope not. Anyway, um, you know, he made a mistake. He's paid the price. He nearly got he nearly got shown the door. I was seeing pe- people sharing pictures, Hibs fans sharing pictures with him and saying bring him home and all that. I mean, if Hibs had got Lee Griffiths today, for example, on a two year deal, they would have definitely felt like they'd want to watch because they're getting you know the guy that supports the club back and all blah blah blah. It would be a big mm-hmm. deal. For them. So we've now got him for a year. We have to make sure, and Ange Postecoglou has to make sure, and 
whoever is his backroom team has to make sure that they're getting the, the absolute best out of the Lee Griffiths that currently exists that they can. Right. Let's, let's do a Kevin Graham here and let's have a look at a parallel universe. <laughs> and things go differently this morning, JP, and he signs with Hibs. Would we have still had the same guys that are criticising my tweet saying, oh, I can't believe we've allowed him to sign for Hibs. He's going to score 20 goals next season, etc., yeah. etc." Et because, I mean, Hibs, Hibs are sitting as the third third top club in, in Scotland at the moment, you know. Um, and, I, and I do get that kind of sense, and it links in uh, nicely to what I'm going to ask you, Dick. I think Lee Griffiths gets too embroiled in this whole social media thing. I really do. Now, we know that he's had a long-term battle with mental health issues. Social media can basically um, attribute to poor mental health. I mean, that that's something that I think everybody needs to be totally aware of. It's not nice reading things about you or against you online that's you know, open for anybody to go and, and view. Uh, and I said last season, quite early, early doors, Declan, he needs to give all that nonsense up. And if I was the club, I would basically say, you're a footballer. This is your, you're beyond the last chance saloon. You've been chucked out that and you're in another one. And this is your final chance in terms of top level football, Declan, because anything beyond this, the cautionary tale being Anthony Stokes, anything beyond this is a massive step down for Lee Griffiths. And if it doesn't work out this year, you've just got to look at Stokesy, right? He's trying to win a deal with Shamrock Rovers. He's never kicked a, a ball for 16 months. You know, there was a whole issue with signing for Livingston. Oh, I don't like plastic pitches. Well, you knew they had a plastic pitch. You don't want Griffiths' career just to taper off um, because, you know, so many other players, a lot of them with a Hibs connection, strangely enough, their careers have tapered off, Declan. Do you think we just need to uh, look at a player like Lee Griffiths and say, you know, all this nonsense because social media doesn't matter to you at this moment in time, Lee Griffiths. This is your last chance knuckle down you can get him fit he's only 30 you know I, I'm reading stories about him like he's 37 or 38 years old and his legs are gone I didn't help last week hearing Neil Lennon's comments about him losing his pace Where, where's he getting that from? I don't know and you know it is beyond last chance saloon but you know we, we might see a very different approach in his management style um, that's Ange Postacoglu's management style to Lee Griffiths um, our chat last week, we, we spoke about that, that three-month interlude where, you know, Neil Lennon had said he wasn't fit. But, mm -hmm. you know, it would appear that nobody at the club knew he wasn't fit. And surely, surely to God, there was somebody chatting up on what players were doing during lockdown, their weights and everything else in between. So, as well as that, Jack Naylor, who I'm sure um, would have had a big, big say in terms of player fitness, yeah. has also left the club. He's went to RB Leipzig. Um, so... It's a change of era. Um, Ange Postecoglou is going to be in the door. He's obviously had a chat with him and he's made this decision. So, you know, it's a case of wait and see how Ange manages Lee. And it's either going to go one way or another, as I say. He's either going to come in, do the job, or he could end up being the first example of um, why not to mess with the new gaffer. Exactly. It's it's the give them enough rope kind of scenario at times, isn't it, with footballers? Um, I'm keen to get in some of the comments because I know this is a very divisive subject, JP. And before we came on, I was saying to Declan, we're talking about football here. 
it's unbelievable how divisive some of these things can be. We've just given Lee Griffiths an extra year in his contract because we're struggling for strikers and we've got a European qualifier in 19 days. Um, Highland Parry 2, welcome back. Uh, you're commenting on YouTube. This deal hopefully had a big if in it. Uh, as if not fit or overweight, the deal can be cancelled during the season. Now, we've seen that. We've seen that kind of brutal and ruthless nature of managers in the past where they tear up a deal and the player has to go and find um, employment elsewhere. I I think uh, Lawrence made a good point another week, JP, about uh, tying it into his wages in terms of we don't know what the deal is. We know that the length of the deal, we know he's a Celtic player, but it could be, you know, this is your wage. You're not going to get what you were on last last season because he's a senior pr- player now. He'll be one of the higher earners, JP. Uh, and I think that obviously it needs to work for the club as well. Um, going back on that point I made about the social media thing, uh, Lee Griffiths also needs to just uh, take a step out of the media side of things doesn't he he's done kind of everything over the last fortnight whilst it was up in the air as to whether or not he would be a Celtic player but I don't think it's helpful to go onto these shows in the mornings the Euro shows and open goal no disrespect to the channel itself but I just think the timing probably wasn't the best either was it and it's time to say to Lee Griffiths you've got to wise up here uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it is curious though. There was there was some reports yesterday that uh, were saying that he distant that he would removed all evidence of Celtic on his social media profiles. As far that, that's a complete false story. As far as I, I I just did a wee bit of digging this morning. Incidentally, by the way, his pinned tweet on Twitter is the goals against England. Now, of of course, you were going to have that, you know, and be rightly proud of it. It was an incredible moment. He's written himself into the history books forever by doing that. I was there that day. It was absolutely unbelievable, um, and we should have won. We definitely should have won. Um, but that's his pedigree. That was four years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's four years ago that that happened. And you know, like you said, a lot of his uh, great moments have, have have been, you know, quite a bit now in the past. So it's up to him to do something in the, in the present. But as far as following Celtic on Instagram, he still follows Celtic on Instagram. He never had any Celtic stuff. As far as I could see, like Celtic football or blah blah blah, he never had that as his as his as his bio or anything like that. So someone's made up a complete false news story with that, like, and that was last night, as if to say, oh well, he's away then because he's not following Celtic on Instagram, but he actually is. So complete nonsense. Um, and yeah, the social media thing. Yeah, I think getting involved with that surely isn't good for him. Uh, you know, because the amount, I mean, geez, oh, see the amount of stuff that. We get, and we are like this. He's, you know, got however many times we've this the stuff he must get on Twitter. Oh my God, it must be insane. But it's damaging. It's damaging. Mm. I mean, see the thing, JP, you're talking there about somebody trying to extract a story from apparently a footballer removing a, a team from yeah. a social media page. I mean, surely you've got more creativity in your in your your, your life that mm. you don't have to be scratching about for. That's not a story. That mm. isn't content creation. That that's an absolute nonsense, if you ask me. Mm. Um, I'm keen to get as many uh, of the commenters in as possible today. Patrick Murphy, I'm concerned this indicates that we have no strikers lined up to sign. Griffiths has ability, but has wasted too many chances. He can't live off what he did in 2015. Going back to what JP just said there. Uh, We need fresh blood urgently. Listen, that's a good point for Patrick because... I think the Edouard situation, Declan, comes into it. Of course it does. Leicester were interested in Edouard. We don't know if Celtic were asking too much, but they've gone away out there and signed an incredible 
goal scorer for 23 million quid so Eddie comes back to Lennox Town we know that he's in the building um, and you know had he gone out and we had other strikers lined up which I'm sure we do this whole scenario might have been different so we're basically you know we're, we're reacting to the circumstances uh, to yeah. a degree are we not? Yeah I mean you know said the other road that, that number's crucial at this moment in time and what we're looking around ourselves with there was a possibility that obviously Ocean Edward might have checked out he probably still will check out um, we've got a you know player coming back from Toulouse who's not did anything in a Celtic jersey yet um, Albin Ayeti who again we were told wasn't fit likely Griffiths and then Jonathan Afalabi who wasn't a first choice starter for Dundee either so in terms of what we've actually got within the building it lacks and as I said earlier it just looks like a cost saving exercise of uh, having you know a bit of depth in different positions um, I, I would hope though that you know whenever Odson Edward does depart Celtic that we do suitably find him a replacement and it's not just relying on Lee Griffiths and Albany Yeti because if that is the case I will be very very upset and disappointed as I think many Celtic fans will be yeah I think so now uh, loads of uh, other topics to cover JP I'm going to come to you in just a moment uh, David Bradley comes in on YouTube right move to give him a year up to you Lee we need you fit 100% Alistair Jack uh, no says Alistair Ange should have shown Griffiths the door uh, in your opinion and David Kelly who's a long time contributor welcome back David Griffiths and Ralston what a revolution we've been duped again Everything we hope Postacoglu uh, would be uh, indicated, Griffiths would be let go. This is very worrying going forward. Well, it was, I would say, non-committal last week, JP, in the press conference. Because, I mean, the fans, media asked him about Lee Griffiths. They asked him directly about Lee Griffiths. And he basically said that they're in discussions and it's all about not just with Lee Griffiths, but if the players are willing to, to fit his mould, then they'll be part of it. Um, so I can see... David's point here, because on paper you've re-signed Ralston and you've re-signed Griffiths. Where's the revolution? <laughs> you know, I can, I can totally get that. But let's have a look at some of the other uh, ins and outs so far. So we'll come back to El Yanusi because there's obviously the whole loan situation. So we had Duffy, uh, no surprise, he's away. Uh, Laxalt, Kenny and Moy are away as well. Laxalt has left the building for just over £3 million on a permanent deal to Russia, JP. 40-odd grand a week. He's getting over there. (laughs) Not bad bad if you can get it. But the the reason I'm bringing it up is, you know, John Joe Kenny, everybody bangs on about the EPL. We've brought in quite a lot of players from the EPL who haven't set the header alight. Maurice Boyer, I would guess, is another one who I think has also gone to Russian football. Um, so what we've got at the moment is we've, we've got a dearth of fullbacks, uh, but like Salt and Kenny certainly were not the answer. What's your kind of feeling on El Yanusi? He's given his, his message, his farewell message. Um, do you think it was kind of bad timing? Because it's certainly a position, if, if indeed you think left-hand side is his position, it's a position that we're, we're weak in at the moment. We only have Mikey Johnston out there. Well, yeah, just picking up on uh, that last comment about we've been duped and Ralston and Griffiths getting contracts and everything else, do you not think it's maybe got something to do with the, the environment right now? It doesn't really seem to me. I know that today's the, the first day. Am I right in saying today's the first day of the transfer window? I'm not. Is, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, yeah, players, well, you can agree deals in principle exactly. and whatnot, but this is, the, this is the very first day, yeah. Exactly. Why Why has there not been a lot of deals being agreed? Because I think there's a severe lack of that. 
I, mm. I genuinely think that. I, I'm not just saying that as another, you know, COVID excuse or anything like that. I mean, it's the same, we're the same as anybody else, but, you know, okay, Leicester have agreed a deal for 23 million or whatever, but I mean, Leicester are bankrolled by, I don't know, is it a, a billionaire probably? Um, and, you know, there's a lot more money in the English uh, top flight than there is up here, but it doesn't seem to me like there's a lot of deals going about at the moment. And that's obviously quite concerning because... I think a lot of football clubs' uh, finances have been hit, including ourselves. So, It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It might just be the case that it genuinely is to, to fill jerseys because we've not got the money to go out and spend the, the way that we all want. I mean, I think all of us want us to go out and spend spend big. I mean, I'm not saying spend insane, but spend big in terms of like, well, three, four million in this player, four or five million in that player, maybe the odd seven million. I mean, but I mean, that's, you're getting into realms of signing, uh, signing levels that we haven't ever really done before. When have you ever seen us go out and spend, probably 20 years ago, with Martin O'Neill, but even yeah. then, he didn't spend as much as everybody makes out. You know, I think in his first season, he didn't spend, he didn't go out and spend like crazy, crazy money. I think he bought, he bought Sutton with the Viduka money, if that's right. And then, you know, I think he bought Neil Wennon halfway through the season. Uh, but he didn't go out and just blow hunters of money, which is kind of what we all hope and want Ange Postagoglu and Dominic Mackay to do. But maybe maybe that's not going to happen. 
You know, I, I, I totally get that because the circumstances uh, currently, uh, JP, is I just think we're, we really are looking at a situation where, you know, just 12 months ago if we had sold Christy Ayer and Edwards, um, the transfer fees back then compared to now, the, the drop in asset value is astonishing. So we really are going to have to cock Annie with, with that you know, in mind. But I think the fact that we all kind of expected at least Edward to, to leave the building, possibly Ayrd and, and maybe um, Christy as well, all three of them, the bits obviously have not come in. Otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. as you say, they'd have been lined up and they would have been the, the tweets because they don't mess about, you know, they've got the suit jackets for the managers uh, all tailored for their announcement tweet and all this kind of stuff. It's the same with the players. You know, Frimpong, it's like that. The deal's done and he's gone. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, we're haggling with several clubs in relation to Chris Iyer. Um It's clear that Leicester weren't willing to pay what Celtic wanted for Odson Edward. And I think Christie, I think the Euros weren't very kind to Ryan Christie's, uh, you know, prospects of leaving to the level that he thinks he's at um, as well. But again... Just while I remember the Axel signing, look at the loss AC Milan have taken on Diego Axel. Mm-hmm. Three and a half million for a guy that they paid sixteen million for. I mean that that's an indication of the market, you know, being yeah, a bit is. crazy. And the El, sorry, I never answered your question about El Yunusi. Obviously, I, I did, I did like him. I think maybe in another in another time in another place, he could have been somebody that we would have gone out and spent money on. But I'd, I would hazard a guess that Southampton probably want you know fairly serious cash for him, and much the same way as we are not letting our players go for buttons. They're yeah. not going to let him go for buttons, so we're in a catch-22. Didn't, didn't they pay something like a similar fee for him? 16 million quid? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so you're taking a £10 million pound hit uh, sometimes more if, if you're, you know, what was the reported figure? £5 million, I think, El Yunusi, there was a, a clause. I don't um, think we're going to spend £5 million on, a, on a player like El Yunusi. No way. No. Not, not when we're giving deals to Ralston and Griffiths. No chance. I don't think so at this stage. Uh, John Paul, uh, I think this is maybe aimed at my point uh, around around Lee Griffiths. Don't understand where the blind loyalty comes from. Um, I think, you know, one of the examples... And by the way, I'm not blindly loyal to Lee Griffiths. I mean, I know he's, he's false, you know, and this is a big thing. It is a risk, but, you know, how big a risk is it? It's not as though we're buying a £5 million player, JP. We're, we've got a guy here whose wages would probably cost a million quid uh, this season. Um, you know, th- there's been interest, apparent interest in, in Nisbet. I don't think there's going to be any deals done unless we sell Edward, you know, and until that mm-hmm. happens, no new strikers, I reckon, will come in. We, we're going to have to concentrate the back door and get that locked before we do anything so it's not as such a blind loyalty but it's a good point that you make John Paul because I think that with regards to El Yunusi um, there was a a kind of comparison here's a player who's had two loan deals at Celtic similarly to, to Paddy Roberts and there's a whole host of people who at the very mention of Paddy Roberts the green love hearts start popping out their heads whereas when you look at the stats El Yunusi uh, you know statistically was a very good player for Celtic so yeah there is some loyalty there is some blind loyalty to certain players I don't have it to Lee Griffiths as such I'm just trying to look at the situation as it is at this moment in time looking at that number over JP's right shoulder and thinking at this moment in time he's he's a sticky plaster you know and if if things don't progress this season then you know he'll, he'll probably will stay to the end of the season for sure but um, I think that 
we will be in a better position once more transfer uh, news comes into the club in relation to to Edward. Now we know that Ralston is staying, Ockleflex is gone, Hendry is gone, as is Scott Brown, um, and. You look at the incomings at the moment, nothing to write home about because Shaw was a deal that had already been done. Uh, I don't think he's a first pick, but I think he will be in the first team squad, Declan. Uh, Dawson's obviously been brought in for the Colts. But another interesting one that hasn't been set in stone yet, and he might have to come back for training, is Olivier and Cham. Uh, as well and I think this comes down to the fact that you know nobody at this moment in time there's been interest from AK Athens nobody seems to to want to actually take a um, a, not a chance but actually make a move here and and sign the player when it gets to that situation we might end up Declan with a few unhappy players who perhaps were part of this group of unhappy players last season does that concern you a wee bit? Yeah, it concerns me massively. Um, you know, I think they let that rut fester through the dressing room and it's not a happy environment to be in. Um, you know, again, no, I don't think the manager helped that by calling them out and it becoming apparent to us as fans that there was that issue within there and making it public um, because you don't want your, you know, dirty laundry aired in public, but it was and we, you know, we didn't sort it and it would be worrying going into a new season with the same people still being around the dressing room. However, it depends on how they're treated too. Um, I think that's Neil Lennon said on the breakfast show last week that the club last summer had only received one solid offer on the table. So that you know, speaks volumes of the market and how much interest is in our players and possibly asking price in terms of what you were saying there, Paul. In terms of finances, I think, again, we're probably going to wait until players leave before we bring in suitable replacements in that position, like Odson Edward. I would hope that's not the case with Chris Iyer, but it probably is that we're waiting again. And then the thing that we do every single season is rely on that Champions League money sometimes before we even buy somebody. And again, you know, that's been when we've had an easier path into the competition and it's not worked out. We've got an even more difficult path this season. So it is up in the air. Um, Player-wise, it just depends on how they're treated and whether they buy into the vision. If they don't, you know, go and let them train with the youth team and just pat them out the road because to have them in you know the first team environment and it is how some people treat players um, if you remember right probably about 10 years ago Carlos Tevez spat the dummy out at Man City with Roberto Mancini and he told him to go and train with the youth team then brought him back into the fold so sometimes it's a, the way that managers react to things that um, seals the deal for them um, in the future how fans interpret the manager too because you know Postacoglu's got a lot to prove I'm sure he wants to prove it to us and that will be the case for Lee Griffiths and it will be the case for guys like Olivia and Cham and whoever else Jim Hannaway welcome to the show you're commenting on YouTube so I got Griff signed the right move and he needs to respond in the right way 30 is young if you take care of yourself uh, Jason Groves comes in to say that he's overweight and yards slower um, and you know, when we're looking at also Rob Scotland comes in, this season's about rebuilding, forget about the qualifiers. I think the, the big concern for me around that one, Rob, is the fact that, you know, we can't afford to forget about the qualifiers because I know Rangers won't be forgetting about them. And what we've got here, I think when Ange Postacoglu was first announced, I, I called it a £60 million gamble. Mm. And some people weren't happy with that. But when you think about Champions League qualifiers this season, winning the league this season for an automatic place in the group stage next season 
it's at least a £60 million gamble. So, uh, you know, I get that, yeah, it is a rebuild, but, you know, we, we can't kind of call it a free hit as such. I, I know a lot of people have, JP's called it a free hit. What's your thoughts on some of the elements of the squad last season who are still here, who may have been part of this group who didn't want to be there? And as Declan says, you know, that might have spread through the whole vibe of the place uh, last year. It's really... It's really frustrating, I have to say. Um, do you know, I was messaging, was my friend who messaged me actually to tell me that you could get tickets for the Sweden-Ukraine game on Tuesday, which I, I managed to get one and uh, went along and it was amazing being back in the stadium and, uh, you know, just... Talk us just, through that, by the way. I was going to ask you, JP. Aye, well, um, yeah, my, my friend my friend Michael um, just messaged me on Saturday um, and said, oh, you, you, you know, you can get tickets for the game on Tuesday. And I went, no, I went onto the portal, registered. It took me about half an hour to get through the whole hoops and jumping through hurdles to get the tickets, but eventually got them. They were 40 quid. I mean, I, I saw somebody on Twitter saying, oh, I thought they were 140 or 150, but 40 quid. And uh, you got the tickets and... Yeah, I mean, it was surreal going out to Hamden and, and you know, obviously there was a lot of, uh, you know, extra kind of security and it's all kind of caged off and it's not as accessible as it normally is and you've got to go through different, uh, you know, uh, sort of checkpoints to get in, uh, airport security and all that going in. Uh, past uh, our striker, Albion Ayeti, on the way in as well. Saw him in uh, full white T-shirt, white shorts, white socks, white trainers, looked like kind of, Andre Agassi in the in the nineties. Um, what did he back. wear? What what did he wear? Was it was it Nike? He, he I, was Agassi I, was Nike, Nike, wasn't it? Yeah, I all the loud Nike gear, yeah. aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of looked like uh, Agassi, and he was accompanied by a, a very attractive female, shall we say? Um, and uh, yeah, so I saw him on the way in, and then yeah, got in, and again, just strange, just walking in and seeing the pitch again, and just the, the Ukrainian fans were going. Tonto from the start, like there they was a heavy, heavy Ukrainian presence, and they were giving it loudly, uh, which kind of made me think from the very start they've got an advantage here because mm. you know the, Ukra- the Ukrainians might not be that great a football team, but they've got spirit and they had the fans behind them, and you know they kept in it, and yeah, arguably Sweden probably had the better of the chances, especially with Forst. I thought Forsberg was excellent, uh, the number mm. ten. Uh, place for Leipzig. Uh, I thought he was excellent at the post and the bar and scored. Um, but yeah, um, that, that that was great. You know, just to be back and I did get emotional when when the teams came out. I was just like, wow. The last time was I that was fifteen here, months? Was it fifteen months since you were last at a game? Fifteen months since I was last at a game. But the last time I was at Hamden was the League Cup final, one uh, 0 Julian, which is absolutely insane. So the last time I was there, it was like pitch black and freezing and yeah. and rain. Uh, and then you know, fast forward, and you're in the sunshine, and it was light until even until added until uh, extra time. So yeah, that was great. But um, the guy that was messaging anyway that, that got that said about the tickets, he said controversially that he didn't really care about any of the players that were there right now. He was like, I couldn't care if any of them stayed or went. He was just, and he's a massive Celtic fan. Massive. Talk about uh, disconnection, JP. That, that, yeah, yeah, that's basically yeah. it. Yeah, really, really got no connection to anybody that's there at all. And I and I, and I stopped thinking about it. And I thought, no, there's a, there's, a, there's still a good few that you know deserve the the, the benefit of the doubt. Um, but we are in a in a time where there is there is there's definitely a disconnect, and it and it's probably a lot down to the fact that we've not been at the games as well. I think N- never mind the 
absolute horror show that last season was. I think it's just the fact that you've not been at the games and you've not seen in person players, you know, given given their, their all or, or not given their all as the case may be. See that this is the thing, that this connection. I, I worried that fifteen months without having that connection. And it's going to be longer before we see Celtic, I would guess, as well, because I know that um, there was a suggestion of full houses very, very soon. Um, but it's going to be another couple of months anyway. And I, I, can, I got concerned that there might have been a generation of people, JP, maybe a younger element, who don't get the connection at a time where you need to get it. When you get the bug, you, you know, you'll remember getting the bug as a, as a youngster and going to the games and it kind of bypassing them. That was a concern for me because I know that a lot of young um, so youth football coaches had the same concern about kids within that period of time, be it a year and a half or so, where they would have got the bug for football and it bypasses them because it's not mm-hmm. accessible. And I was a bit concerned that there might be a whole group of uh, you know, Celtic supporters who might not get that opportunity and it might pass them by and I hope that's not the case. I noticed as well though, JP, you had the Larson jersey on as well that uh, you had hanging up there just a few weeks back. Yeah, bought, bought uh, for Euro 2000, <laughs> 21 years ago. Uh, so I never ever thought I'd be wearing that Henrik Larson strip uh, supporting Sweden at Hamden during a global pandemic uh, 21 years later. I, I certainly... Than they think at the time when I bought it that that's what I would, you know I would be because that was that was my first ever major international Aye. tournament. I've never been even to see anybody else, you know, a, 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 as a neutral. That, that was my first ever experience. I said to my mate on the way out, it might be my only one. You know, I, who knows when I'll get the opportunity to do that again, wherever they hold the Euros the next time, and whether Scotland are there or whether I can afford to travel to where it is. I mean, I was only only got on a. Uh, you can get a 61 bus <laughs> or no, can you? No, you can't get a 61 bus you can get a 75 to Hamden um, so I I, I I, don't know it might be a one-off opportunity but certainly enjoyed it One last question uh, before we go on to other Celtic topics um, we're talking jerseys we're, talk, we're talking about your, your Larson jersey there JP, there's a jersey over your right shoulder uh, tell us about that and then we can have a, a very quick chat about the latest Adidas effort that Celtic have been served up with Yeah, I, um, I got I, I'd always kind of fancied getting an Argentina strip uh, but never uh, got round to it and uh, 2014 uh, World Cup in 2014, I decided to get uh, an Argentina strip. Uh, I've not got Messi on the back. I've not got anything on the back, actually. But yeah, I've always had that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I mean, I don't think anybody who's a football fan couldn't have a, a soft spot for Argentina. Um, and it's a really, really cool top. Um, but with regards to that, if that is a real Celtic strip that's been leaked, the one that's based on the, the old door, the stained glass uh, door in Celtic Park, I like the idea. The delivery, horrendous. Why is Aye. there a badge? Why is there a badge right in the like right down, down there? I know. What is this all about? And Adidas in the middle, and the badge underneath. I know. You know what? It looks like a hooky effort. So I'm like yourself. I like the concept. I've always loved that stained glass window. I love, yeah. I love that. And the old pictures of Jock Steen standing at the entrance and all that. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I've told the story in here before. Declan will know this. It was, it was actually found. That stained glass window was found at Celtic Park by Margot McQuaig, who now does the documentaries for uh, BBC Alba. And it was 
it was in a, a part of the stadium that had been closed off during the, the rebuild. So mm-hmm. it was in a, a hidden wall. So it was actually lost. Mm-hmm. And then someone pulled down a wall and there's this stained glass window. It was just sitting there. Yeah. And then they decided that they were going to, you know, um, clean it up and put it back up. Um, and, and thankfully they did because that kind of history cannot be lost so I love yeah. the concept but poor execution Declan is it one you'll be purchasing yourself mate? Nah I, I think if, if that is the jersey that comes out um, the 50 quid season ticket voucher won't be getting spent on that bad boy I'd probably much <laughs> rather the, the away kit or the, um, the mint green polo uh, sorry mint green training top which is actually nice. quite a, a decent effort they looked good in that the other day in training I thought ah, they definitely did now uh, one last point on Griffiths I, I spoke about a cautionary tale there must be something in the water at Easter Road because the, the, the names that are coming to my mind is Gary O'Connor Derek Lardin, um Anthony Stokes and even Jason Cummings the last time I saw him he was swinging for a chandelier after Dundee won promotion it's like come on guys you know you've got 15 years you've got a good hit at this and a lot of their top flight careers if you like probably lasted 8 or 9 years it's just not good enough you've got to maximise your ability and I think if Lee Griffiths doesn't wake up this season um, and go and, and work himself with the absolute bone this season that he doesn't deserve it you know and we'll be sitting here in a year's time and it'll be a completely different uh, kind of attitude and view that I've got on it Declan sometimes uh, you give somebody one chance too many it could well be that this is that situation let's hope it's not let's hope it's not the scenario that we are facing you spoke um, about you know Ange Postacoglu um, he addressed the Celtic fans last week. JP, I've not had a chance to speak to uh, either of you, actually, because Declan was on Thursday last week. Um, a lot has been said about that press conference. Let's talk about the actual impression you got. Start off with yourself, Declan. Ange Postecoglou, what's your first impressions of the man? Well, um, first of all, thanks to JP Taylor for allowing um, some fans along on a Zoom call last Friday. Um about four o'clockish, we got to hear from Ange Postecoglou and Don McKay. Were you I, were you invited because you're a bus convener, Declan? Is that why you got into no, that no, one? No, 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 no. I, I think the, the the invite for that one, the, that meeting got lost. So this was just a normal right. uh, fans forum invite. So yeah, I think it was a busy day for him last week. You had the the broadcast, then the the fan media, then the dailies, then his photo op, then he was down seeing us, and then I think he was away looking at houses after that. We were told so. Um, he was on the roof just before he came down to see us and somebody had asked him, was he getting, um, did somebody have to talk him down from the roof? But thankfully he came down <laughs> to talk to us. So he came down and uh, he made a very good impression. I liked what I heard from him. Um, I liked how we handed a certain BBC journalist his backside in a plate last week when uh, it was questioned and whether Celtic was a big step up for him. Um, if what he said translates onto the park... I'm all for it, but, you know, words can only go so far. Um, we'll just see how it goes. But, yeah, last week, very much so impressed. Impressed with the whole thing that Celtic did last week. And long may that continue. Um, but, yeah, um, I just hope that everything he says translates onto the park and he brings success back to Celtic Football Club. Nah, I absolutely agree with that. I, I think the, th- the way that we're going to be using any content that we capture this season is we'll be filtering it in through our social media pages and on the bulletin as talking points, JP. So we'll be doing that throughout the season and uh, hopefully we don't uh, get banned from the press conferences. We're certainly not going to, we've got to try our best to be uh, as many as we possibly can. 
But my, again, my caution, and this isn't negativity, uh, JP, this is just the, the caution that I have about new managerial appointments is that every time I hear about a manager talking about, you know, their style and all this kind of stuff, um, I, I always kind of take that with a pinch of salt because I just think this is Celtic and we just need to win uh, and everything else comes later. I mean, let's be honest, right? It'd be great to be this uh, romantic and have this romantic notion that we always play uh, free-flowing and entertaining football, but we don't. We absolutely don't. And, and when you're sitting there in one of the final games in the, the pouring rain against Hamilton... Um, when it's one each and they've equalised because of a long throw we knew they were going to equalise after a long throw because you know they were they were dangerous all night at it three minutes into injury time you'll do anything for a goal it doesn't matter if it's it's a, a passing move in free flowing football you know I think it was a, it was Lee Griffiths made a nuisance of herself and Scott Brown got a rebound and it's in and you don't care how it goes in and I think that when you compare the likes of Mowbray and, and Barnsley's introductory interviews to the likes of Brennan Rogers and Martin O'Neill, th- there really is um, two camps here. There's the one who wants to play a brand of football and there's one who says, I'm going to bring success to the club. I, I guess that's the only thing I was a bit concerned about last week, JP. What's your take on it? I guess just going back to, you know, you know, Declan, your experience of managerial appointments is is, is uh, limited compared to Paul and I because obviously we are, you know, ancient. A lot older. <laughs> a lot older. We've, been, we've been through this before and we've seen, you know, managers come and go. I, I, I can remember all the managerial appointments uh, back to. Um, would it be? We and Brady would be the first one that I remember happening as a. As a, as a Am I right in saying he took over from Billy McNeil? Yeah, yeah. If you know your history and all that. Uh, so I remember all that and, you know, I, I can remember, I don't remember big fanfare or anything like huge, huge statements or any lots of words and lots of rhetoric about what he was going to do. He may have said that. I, I, I was 10 or 11 at the time, so I wouldn't have been uh, eating up the, the content as much as I maybe do now. But um, you're always... You're always sort of uh, tapered a little bit as a Celtic fan or as a football fan in, in any way when a new manager comes in because you don't want to nail your colours to the mast to then look foolish a year down the line where you're going, you know, oh, I'm right behind them, you know, like, let's go, we're going to we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and that's a terrible thing to do, uh, especially on social media where it's saved forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to, you need to, as you said earlier, call canny, which is a great word. Van used that. I've not heard that for a while. Um, not insinuating you at the same age my gran. My gran was a hundred uh, <laughs> uh, when she passed away. So um, no, no, not at all. But um, yeah, I think we just need to sort of, I guess, wait and see. And like he said himself, it's just words. You know, I'm just sitting here saying words. But I did like the way that he was very calm, very measured. Uh, quite funny I liked when he made the comment about um, somebody saying we should go and try and find a new Nakamura and he said well we can actually get the, the real Nakamura because he's still playing um, whether or not we'd give him a contract at 42 or whatever age he is I don't know but we can still put a ball into a moving bus from you know 50 yards which is impressive um, and uh, if you've not seen that by the way check out on YouTube it's phenomenal awesome that's that, awesome uh, oh it's unbelievable <laughs> so good but uh, I know I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm in the very kind of especially given the fact that I don't know what it's going to be like recruitment wise so it would be, be mad to think that he's got this magic wand that's going to suddenly turn 
our squad into this, you know, world beating, you know, all conquering Celtic side. So I think it's just a, a, a very old tale of one game at a time. Yeah, you, you know, the, the other thing that comes into it, I think, JP, is, oh, and by the way, you're talking about when Liam Brady was taking over as Celtic manager, we had to wait, obviously, on your weekly edition of the Celtic View, mm. um, and then the Celtic collection video that was kicking about at that time yeah. would, pro- would probably show you the interview that you've read in the Celtic yeah. View as well. So, different times now, Declan, uh, not quite at the, the touch of a button. Uh, but, you know, that was actually groundbreaking, Dick, that Celtic brought out a, a video magazine, it only lasted for four editions, by the way, but, you know, it was a behind-the-scenes behind uh, Terry Cassidy uh, production. Um, but when we're talking about the managerial situation as well, I think there is an element of the fact that we all know we were, we were trying our best to bring Eddie Howe to the club. I mean, the, the club made the statement to say that that was the case. Um, and you look at the merry-go-round that, that we knew was going to happen down south and some of the managerial vacancies that are now being filled up uh, by quality managers, it's got to be said, uh, in some cases. So Spurs have appointed um, Nuno Espirito Nuno, uh, I think that's his name, I've probably got that wrong, and Palace yeah, have appointed... That's the guy, that's the chap, yeah. yes. Uh, Palace have appointed Patrick Vieira and Everton... Uh, a guy called Rafa Benitez whose CV was probably in that drawer that time you know anyway the the point I'm making is there's no big appointment for Eddie Howe right so here's a guy who you're reading between the lines and I'm sure that in the future more information will come uh, to us and and be presented to us around what went wrong you know years later JP interview somebody who was involved in the deal and you know we find out that Celtic tried to buy Wimbledon and all this kind of stuff Uh, guys who are around the table when Gina Lash should have signed for us and all that you find out eventually what happened and what went wrong but Eddie Howe's not got any of these jobs and then you ask yourself well what level is he going to manage at? You know, and I think I made the prediction, maybe it's because I was a bit disappointed at the time, his entry level back into English football is not going to be as high now as it would have been if he did the Brendan Rodgers route of getting himself back into um, a successful football club like Celtic and then his stock rises and there's the model, the Brendan Rodgers model when he did it. Um, where, where does the future what does the future hold for the likes of Eddie Howe is he going to be kind of consigned um, to the bin like Owen Coyle where he, he knocked us back and, and basically the rest of his managerial career was mediocrity or ob- obscurity Declan I've been a wee bit harsh on the man well you know it looks like the Fulham job's going to go as well it looks like Scott Parker's going to go back to Eddie Howe's old club Bournemouth so in, in terms of what's available now down south in England, if that's where he was wanting to, to base his still, there's not much much going. So it could be a case that he maybe picks up, you know, a job once somebody gets sacked by October, November time. <laughs> but, you know, if he's just going to do that, you know, Scott Parker's a prime example, relegated with Fulham and then goes back to a championship club in Bournemouth who were trying to get up. Is that just going to be what he does for the rest of his career? If it is, good luck to the guy if that's what he wants to do. But in terms of his own ambition... You only, as you say, Paul, need to look at Brendan Rodgers and how far he's taken the Leicester side. You know, won an FA Cup. They are always about that top six finish under mm-hmm. Brendan. Mm-hmm. And um, I still think Brendan will probably make the step up to a bigger club. No disrespect to Leicester, but, you know, one of the kind of top four clubs in England. So it just depends what Eddie Howe's own personal ambition is. But at this point in time, I don't think he'll be sitting in any dugout at the start of the 
English Premier League season. No, I agree with you. And Maravchik, I think, um, says it well as well. Again, with hindsight, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in the, the next 12 months and uh, when we're sitting here after Postacoglu's debut season and what he's achieved. But it could well be that we've dodged the bullet and um, we'll see how that transpires. Uh, JP, there's been plenty of talk about uh, season tickets. Now, let's have a wee chat about season tickets now. Uh, we've been talking about as you've reminded me two or three times in this single uh, episode, JP, I'm, I'm pretty old, so thanks for that. Um, but back in the day... <laughs> back in the day, the season ticket, um, it wasn't as, you know, sought, even sought after as it is now because you could basically go to any game you wanted. Um, I mean, for example, when I started going with my dad, we would just wait at the local boozer for the bus to come along and we'd go to the games. And there were some games, obviously, you needed a ticket for. Uh, but generally, we would we would just rock up and that was that was you. you. You went in, you found your wee bit where you normally stood and that's how you went to watch football. That all changed. There was a whole change in, in culture in Scottish football actually uh, led by Fergus McCann in that respect whereby you know it was it was a, a real solid business model where he needed to know how much money uh, the club were going to have that season you couldn't just look at previous attendances because he wanted to know how many people will, will be in the ground um, but there's a few things happened here firstly um, brilliant news last week that 46,000 plus season ticket sales have already been snapped up and renewed. I think that's tremendous under the circumstances, JP. Unbelievable support from Celtic fans. Um, and Dominic Mackay suggested that Friday was the biggest one-day sales in the history of the club. Now, that's astonishing in itself. When you think about, you know, the appointment, for example, of Brendan Rodgers and 13,000 Celtic fans turning up at the ground, and there's been points in, in the near history where you think, wow, that must have been a good day for business for Celtic. Now, the first, the first thing I'm going to ask you, JP, is was it a PR masterstroke by Dominic Mackay to hold that fans conference on Friday? Because Friday was the biggest uh, sales day in the history of the club. And also, when did this season ticket elitism creep in? Because we've seen a lot of that over the last few weeks online, haven't we? Yeah, uh, and it's a bit concerning, really, because um, I think it's really disrespectful when you see people I mean, you see people accusing us of trying to be uber Celtic fans or whatever they want to call us, right? But by saying you're wanting to be that, I'm one and you're not. So that's that's immediately creating this sort of uh, elitism amongst the support. And, you know, I doesn't look, I look, Russell's obviously a mad Celtic fan, right? And he's not been able to go to the games because he works at weekends. That's fact. And that's probably fact for a lot of people. And as I put on Twitter the other day, I've met people in America who are rabid. See, I was at a, a gig in Chicago and I saw a guy in a Celtic strip. I was DJing in the, 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 the mix position and I was DJing and I saw a guy in a Celtic strip and I shouted at him and he came over and uh, I was talking to him. An American guy, he'd never been to Scotland in his life and huge, huge Celtic fan. I got a picture with him and everything. It was class. And uh, yeah, so like that, things like that, that, this season ticket thing is... is I don't see why, you know, I'm not saying that because I've got a season ticket, it gives me the right to speak on this podcast. And I'm not saying that if I didn't have a season ticket, it would give me the right. It, it doesn't. I'm just, you know, I'm just a Celtic fan and I'm a bit more mental about it than other people, you know, and I want to speak about it on a podcast. So that's it. It shouldn't matter whether I'm a season ticket holder or not. 
as long as I'm not embarrassing myself or the club, and I'd like to think I'm doing neither, <laughs> I'll, I'll let I'll let people be the judge of that. Um, but uh, yeah, regards to that, and like you said, it did, it did used to be a thing that you could get into the games, no problem. I used to go to the games in the the Bathgate uh, bus um, with my pal and his sister, and you, you could get you could just buy tickets at the ground. That was that was pre Fergus McCann. That was uh, probably well Stuart Slater. When was Stuart Slater? Ninety. 1993. So I, I remember being at Stuart Slater's debut, um, and you know we used to we used to get tickets, no bother. It was it was easy, mm-hmm. and and then obviously Fergus McCann made it a kind of right. Well, this is if you want to get a ticket for Celtic Park, it, and he made it a bit more sought after, I suppose, mm-hmm. and, and more of a kind of commitment as well, and 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 whatnot. And yeah, I didn't get my first one until I was eighteen because I I used the money that I was uh, earning from my first job to pay for my season ticket because yeah. my mum and dad, you know, were not minted to be able to just be like, oh, here's, you know, however much money for a season ticket and, and, what, and whatnot. So, yeah. There's also been occasions in my life where after a season ticket that's been barely used, JP, because of circumstances, not because I've ever refused to go to a Celtic game. So mm-hmm. um, there was a season where I went to six home games as a season mm-hmm. ticket holder and I would give that away to my pals or whatever, my brother, who who maybe used the, the, the ticket. Um, so I don't, I don't like the elitism because I'm just a great believer that we're all Celtic supporters. And, yeah, uh, I've, shared, I've shared the season ticket before as well. Me and mm-hmm. my mate Ross, we shared the season ticket and just like, went to, you know, he went to one game, I went to the next game and that was it. And sometimes if I could go to that next game that he had my season ticket for, I would try and get a ticket through my supporters club or whatever and that's, that's how we did it, you know. You've brought back a wee memory there. Um, I went through a period of interviewing people who had all had a season ticket uh, at Hamden, right? Now, that resonates with me because that was my first season ticket and it was Kevin Graham's first season ticket in 94-95, although we didn't know each other at the time. And I remember I did an interview with uh, Joe McAlinden, the musician, the Scottish musician, and... uh, he was the lead singer of Superstar and um, he told us a story that the, the Hamden season and a few weeks before that or after it I'd spoken to Paul Quinn from Teenage Fan Club who also said that three members of Teenage Fan Club had season tickets at Hamden that season so you know I think we had 17,000 season tickets that year he says that you know he was so skint Joe McAlinden he was so skint that him and his pal Right, although they had season tickets, um, they only had one pair of gloves and they would share the pair of gloves. So one of them got it for the first half and one of them got them for the second half. And his pal was Jim Lambie. Jim Lambie, the, the world-renowned artist, right? So you've got these two guys who are struggling, uh, haven't got much money um, at Celtic Bar- uh, at Hamden, uh, with a Celtic season ticket in 94, sharing a pair of gloves. So I've heard about sharing gloves, sharing season tickets. Declan, you're a season ticket holder. You go home and away. Uh, you travel to numerous away days in Europe. What's your take on this? I mean, I've always gone back to the old famous Angelo Dundee quote, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. I know Ian Brown coined that phrase, but he, he was nicking it. Um, and I, that's where I come from, from a Celtic perspective. If I was to move to Australia or LA or, or wherever, I'd still be a Celtic fan. Well, if you see where I'm at, I'm living in Glasgow, I'm 21, I'm at university, and I've got the benefit of a student loan, which has you know, allowed me to, you know, and my uni, the odd time, sorry if any lecturers are watching, <laughs> to go to European away days or, you know, leave ridiculous hours on a Sunday morning to go to Ross County in Aberdeen. So, you know, 
in a couple of years' time, I might not be able to do that, depending on if I get my degree next year, but can a job I go into? You know, it's the case for a lot of people. And, um, yeah, I'm just fortunate just now that I'm able to do it. A couple of years' time, I might not be able to do it. So I would hope that, you know, people wouldn't then think, oh, he's not as big a Celtic fan because he's chucked into the games now. You know, people have got different commitments, different things going on in people's lives, um, especially in the past year through a pandemic in terms of, you know, people's jobs and the situations that they've been in. So everybody's, you know, we're all in different boats, all going in the one direction, but, you know, the way in which we encounter the water will be very different. So I don't really see the need to, to judge people on where they're at financially or, you know, in whatever position they're in. Well, the, the thing is, right, last week, the press conference happened on Friday. We'd waited a long time for the fan media to be accepted by the club. And there was a bit of criticism, quite a bit of criticism in the mainstream media around the opening salvo. But let's have a look at what the fella said. And I don't agree, it was not the time and place for it. But he was talking about Celtic standing alone and having opposition from all angles within Scottish society and Scottish sport. That's basically what he was getting at. And that included the media and everything else, right? Well, by the way, there's an element of truth in that. So let's not you know, fragment by, you know, fighting each other. I mean, that's just absolute nonsense. You're stronger together. And as a Celtic support, um, I think that's what it comes down to. We all know that there are people who don't have a lot of love for our Celtic football club in this country. Mm -hmm. And I just think that, you know, as a fan base, we need to pull together now. It's been a terrible season, right? It's been absolutely rotten. Uh, we've covered every single kick of the ball and it's time to move on. But the infighting is something that, you know, Maybe social media just highlights it a lot more, JP. I don't know if it's always been there. I've certainly not always been aware of that. If you're on holiday and you see a set of hoops, straight away he's your ally. How come uh, on social media he's your enemy? I just don't I get know. it. You know, it's, know. it's an absolute nonsense. Um, just before we go, though, uh, I've not had the opportunity to to um, ask you the question. It's the 1st of July today. It's the first day in almost 18 years that uh, Peter Lowell's not been the CEO of Celtic Football Club. JP... What's his lasting legacy? I asked the question yesterday. Um, do you think that in time people will look back more fondly on his achievements at Celtic Football Club? I would hope so. I, 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 he's been painted out as being this sort of villainous uh, villain of the of the piece or, or pantomime villain or whatever you want to call him. And, and I, I certainly, I, I would be pretending if I felt some sort of rabid hatred towards him. I, I'm annoyed at him for for a lot of things and, and for yeah probably falling asleep at the wheel a bit and being complacent and making some pretty bad decisions but his tenure has given me a hell of a lot of enjoyment <laughs> like four consecutive trebles the last of which didn't I wasn't able to enjoy to the full because of a global pandemic now I'm pretty sure people might blame Peter Lowell for a lot of things but they can't blame him for a global pandemic so, yeah, it was curtailed a little bit because of that. But the, the, the previous three, we'll never see that again. You know, people go on about 10 in a row. Four, four, four trebles in a row is insane. Declan is 21, right? And he is going to the games home and away just now. I was at games home and away. I, I went to every single home and away game this season. Martin O'Neill won the treble because I was doing the exact same as you. I was spending my student loan uh, and, and you know, working at the same time. And I was spending all my money on Celtic, home and away. You know, I didn't go to all the European games, but I went to every domestic game, home and away, all the cups, and that, and we won a treble. And it was insane. 
if you'd have told me then that 20 years later we'd win four of them in a row, I'd have thought you were absolutely mad. Because, I mean, that, that is... What, what an achievement that is. And that's there for all time in the history books, just the same as every other uh, title or, or, or trophy is there in the history books um, uh, for all time. And, you know, the, 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 the background to those things are not noted. All that's noted is the names and the trophies. And mm-hmm. for four years in a row, Celtic won everything. I mean, we'll, we'll be telling our grandbairns about it. Aye, 100%. Like Paul Cuddy wrote 20 years ago that he'd be talking about Henrik Larson in 20 years' time. And I found it in an old Celtic view. So we'll be talking about, you know, uh, Scott Scott Brown, Scott Sinclair, Moussa Dembele, Kieran Tierney. Those guys are immortal. That new balance era of strip is now immortal because of what happened in that strip. You know, it's not about whether or not it was a cool strip or not. It's like as time will pass, those new balance strips will become iconic. And I bet you in 20 or 30 years time, they're going for shed loads of money on eBay when people are selling them with names in the back, just like they are going for loads of money for guys that didn't do anything. (laughs) You know, you could buy a, you'd probably buy the Cascarino Celtic strip and uh, it would cost you an absolute arm and and a leg on eBay and he didn't do anything with Celtic. Imagine what, and Moussa Dembele top in 20 or 30 years' time will go for. I know. I should have bought all the pink jerseys, Declan, when I had the opportunity. Now, Declan, New Balance, it's now a new era. Uh, mm. What's your thoughts? Um, I think that you probably look at the situation uh, for one so young with a, with a, a good perspective on things. Uh, you've not been overly critical of Peter Lowell. Um, do you think that time will be his friend in terms of what he achieved at Celtic Football Club? I thought yesterday, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly was quite a good way to describe it. Um, you know, 21, 18 years of that, Peter's been in charge at Celtic, so really, for people my age, we've known no different. Um, there's a lot of good, there's some real bad in the mix of it, but, you know, time can be a great healer for some people. Um some great, great, you know, moments in my life as a young person, you know, as JP alludes to, you know, four trebles in the bounce, um, some of those Champions League nights, absolutely phenomenal. But again, important to remember, well paid for that job that he did at the club. Um, but another thing, you know, to mention in Peter Lowell is um, his relationship with the Lisbon Lions, which is something a lot of the guys have, you know, have been speaking to them about, have, have praised them for. Um they were left out in the dark for so long at the club. Obviously, Fergus brought them back into the fold. I don't know for guys like Billy McNeil, who, who Peter brought back in as an ambassador in 2008-2009 and made them feel you know, part of the match day again, a welcome at Celtic Park. The same goes for guys like Jim Craig and uh, Tom Boyd and Davey Hay and some of the other ambassadors. So there's a lot of good, a lot of bad, and we'll just see what happens over time for, for Peter Lobel. But it's a new era, and hopefully... Um, Dominic Mackay can bring success back to Celtic Park. Here's hoping we'll cover it every step of the way. Lee Griffiths signs a new contract and it's divided opinion. Let's see how that one goes. I've called him a goal scoring machine. And as uh, JP says, you know, you're either a prophet or you're a meme. You know, that's what it, that's what happens over the next 12 months. So here we go. Uh, thank you, everybody, for getting involved uh, via YouTube, Twitter and Facebook. And thank you once again for Declan McConville and JP Mason uh, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.